0: We we did talk about this already, but my my philosophy is to sort of come into this as fresh and frankly as ignorant about you as possible so that I can learn about you out of my sheer curiosity and interest in you as a person. And mm-hmm. that the listeners will be learning along with me kind of in real time. That I'm not sitting here with 20 questions pre written out. That's just not what I do. Yeah. I'm not I'm you know, I'm not gonna ask typical questions. Um you know like after all this time how do you remain so fabulous uh, <laughs> yeah. which is well, although clearly true but um you know not something i you know you could save that for like you know yeah, entertainment yeah. weekly or <laughs> when we <laughs> guest today is Angelica Artifacts. She's a singer, an artist, and a global citizen. And I'm really looking forward to having a good conversation with her about her career and her music and her life. Angelica, welcome to A Little Bit Famous. I'm glad you're Thank here.
1: Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much.
0: <laughs> yeah. So before we start, do you want to um, let let people know where they can find you and and, and learn um, more about you, hear your music and, and uh, all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, um, they can check out, well, you can check out my website. It's angelicaartifacts.com. There you will find um, the, all the apps that I have over there, like Spotify. You'll find iTunes and a uh, little bit more about me, videos, you know, everything is there. So I would suggest that because um, it could be a little bit complicated. Everything's yeah. just like, Kiss.
2: or all Instagram.
1: Right. In one... yeah. uh,
0: one-stop shopping.
1: Exactly. One stop I, shopping.
0: <laughs> I was, I was there myself, um, got to hear some of your music, yes. uh, and it's great. I love it. But okay. as, as we were talking a little bit in pre-roll, this is, you know, I'm gonna, I'm doing this with you live in the moment. We're having the conversation. I'm going to learn about you in real time. Ooh. And to me, that's like the most exciting way to, to, to do a podcast like this. So, uh, so let's go. Um, I want to learn everything I can about you today. So, where were you born? Uh, let's start there.
1: I was born in Stockholm, Sweden. In a time where because I'm mixed, in a time where a lot of Cubans were coming to Sweden. So my dad was there, he was a refugee and then my mom is actually Finnish and they met in Sweden.
0: So Okay. Can I? Can, I don't mean to interrupt, but can can you? When you say a lot of Cubans were coming to to uh, Sweden, that's something I didn't know anything about yeah. as a as a you know parochial American. Um, well, so uh, was this because of Castro and and, and yes and, and and but you know certainly obviously a lot of Cubans came north and and settled in Miami and came to America and things like that. Sweden seems sure. like kind of a long jump. You yeah,
1: know? there. That was the '90s, the '90s round. Because my dad, he um, he was there in the '60s, and he's that that '60s baby that did the second round of leaving Cuba. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was Sweden. Sweden was a destination where they were supporting a lot of Cubans. They were supporting Cuba politically in the beginning, thinking that it would be um, like a Nordic socialist country. But then, yeah. as they understood, it was a dictatorship. That's when they start to help people to leave the country. So they were okay. pretty open for Cubans to come in. It was Sweden and Spain in Europe yep. that was very like open for that.
0: Yeah, that so. I mean, that, that's I never heard about that, and and um, that's that's really interesting. And 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 Sweden is a country I've always wanted to visit. This is this is something I think about, and I'm sure that you have the same feeling about this. That travel is just such a wonderful way to experience the world to to experience life
1: and the world sure that's the key yeah I think traveling is the key Mm -hmm. even if you're just traveling a few hours from your neighborhood that's you'll find something new you learn something new you see another perspective then when you come back home you're like oh okay then you see your hometown in a different view I think it's super important to travel super important
0: I agree. And I think it's also, it says a lot about your level of curiosity about the world. Something that, that I always think about is I had an experience where I have an uncle who lives in Miami and I would go and I would go and see him often. And, Mm -hmm. uh, we traveled a lot together too around the world. And, uh, we, we went down to South beach one night, you know, nothing, no big deal. He lived 15 minutes away or something. So we drove down and we went to dinner and we went to this incredible restaurant a one of a kind restaurant you know not a franchise just a really cool restaurant yeah. and and after we finished and and we were wandering we walked past right on ocean boulevard where all of those beautiful art deco buildings are oh and everything gosh. you know it's 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 amazing and there was a Johnny Rockets you know the franchise uh, burger joint Johnny mm-hmm. Rockets which which was packed absolutely packed and i just remember thinking to myself you know that place is full of people Probably from like Cleveland, Ohio or upstate New York or wherever they came. They came to Miami and they're on one of the, if not the most expensive stretch of real estate on the planet, surrounded by these gorgeous Art Deco uh, hotels and things and tons and tons of one of a kind restaurants, Cuban restaurants, Mm. all sorts of world cuisine Mm-hmm. And they end up in Johnny Rockets, the same place you could go at your local shopping mall, you know, and I always yes. think God, that's that's such a missed opportunity, you know,
1: <laughs> I know that's like it's such a because I used to live in Italy uh, when I moved, I moved to Italy when I was 20 1920 and that was for the fashion uh, in modeling and i yeah. remember like italy has amazing food it's like of it's not course. just pasta and pizza it's like yeah. everything and they have the different origins have their traditional dish and i remember like the other girls other models they were like prefer to go to mcdonald's <laughs> that was like <laughs> such a thing like yeah. mcdonald's were packed it was yeah. packed with tourists but you're like, shit, we're here in Italy yeah. and and people are like, you know, they're tired of the Italian food. So they want
0: Yeah. McDonald's. And I, think, I mean, we will we'll definitely talk about Italy. I, I yeah, 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 really, yeah, yeah. I can't so wait it just to a get jump. into Yeah, no, no, <laughs> and that's okay. That's actually really what this podcast is about, believe me. <laughs> there are there are lots of jumps. Um And I'm I don't want to I do not want to produce and direct this podcast. Um, (laughs) uh, The free flowing aspect of it is what what makes it so much fun. But um, but I do I do want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, your life in Sweden and Mm -hmm. your parents and growing up in a, you know, a a multicultural family um, Mm -hmm. and, and the experience, you know, you yourself are a global citizen, as you said, and 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 what that what that is like for you, because I think a lot of people and, and some people who might be listening, you know, don't necessarily have have that feeling in them. They don't have that experience mm. of of growing up in a family where you have a, a, a culture on one side and then a culture on the other side and they kind of beautifully merge together. And you just get this really amazing blend of, of, of ideas and food and, and all sorts yeah. of stuff like that. So when you, when you were growing up,
2: uh-huh. you know,
0: what were some of your early memories of, of living in Sweden and, and growing? Oh, yeah. Do you have any siblings, too? I guess would be another.
1: Question. No, I'm, I'm the uh, only child. I'm an okay. only child, but okay. surrounded with a lot of adults and cousins. Like I was yeah. always surrounded with people because my dad is also in the entertainment business. And then okay. my mom is super social. So it was like always people at home. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: um, but I, I grew up first because we moved in, within Sweden. We did move as well. So I um, grew up in this place that was like out of like the outskirts of Stockholm where there were a lot of immigrants that, we, that used to be like the first destinations for, for all the newcomings in, in Sweden. So they will get there and live there for a while, some stay forever and some will move on. But that will be like the first, it's kind of the projects, it's the projects of of, of Stockholm. And so there in an early age uh, was, my friends were from everywhere, Somalia, Iraq, uh, Philippines, uh, Chile, like it was like a bomb of culture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we yeah. all learned from each other's cultures too when our parents were talking to each other. So it was like very, very United Nations. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, I actually have, <laughs> I have, I have a couple questions that sprang from what you just said. Um, yeah. one is, you know, you were talking about there was an area where immigrants initially moved um when they emigrated from their home countries into Sweden mm. which which does raise the question you know you said that Sweden sort of as a state was welcoming to cuban mm-hmm. refugees mm. but what about swedish society did you grow up experiencing or did your dad experience what felt like discrimination or or a feeling of of ostracization or isolation mm.
1: for sure for sure yeah. cuz I get it too. I've seen everything I have to say. I've been through neo-nazism in Sweden and I have friends that have been chased uh, chased like on the yeah. streets and uh, because of their color or but at the end of the day I do understand that too. It's when people see something new they get uh, afraid. You get afraid of something unknown. I did feel it and I still do kind of when I go there in <laughs> Segregation, segregation is pretty. Uh, it's growing even more.
2: Mm-hmm. There was
1: a peak where it was very welcoming, and now, kind of, the talk in Sweden right now is that it's overflowing. Like it's too much. I even hear from Swedish people that live here in LA that they're talking about, um, they're complaining and talking about that there's an overflow of immigration and there's no control and it's so that it's unsafe without really even be there right now they hear from their friends and family and I do understand I do understand that too because you want to preserve your traditions and your culture and it's really difficult when there's so many different cultures strong cultures coming in to a country that's pretty open-minded and still want to pursue their cultures in that country but it's but it's such a complicated, subject that if we do not start understand each other and listen to each other, then we're not going anywhere.
2: Yeah. And
1: that's kind of how I felt with people I speak, even immigrant, even second generation of immigrants speak like that. Mm-hmm. Um, our generation was like this, that this generation is like that, you know, even from their own countries, they're like, no, the people are even like Cubans, they're like, oh, the new Cubans that are coming to Sweden, they're like, <laughs> Right. I'm like, come on, people, like, got <laughs> some slack. But I mean, I, I guess I can't say anything, because I'm not living there right now. But um, Well, you but, you
0: lived it. You, you yeah, lived it. Lived and, it. And, yeah. and certainly your dad did. And
1: Yeah. And I, I do, I did struggle a lot with that, actually, in regards because I've always been a creative child. And I struggled in school, because I was dyslexic without knowing it. So we, now I'm jumping again, so we moved from Go that, ahead,
2: go for it. <laughs> we yeah.
1: moved from that neighborhood <laughs> that is very multicultural and to- Another neighborhood that was very upper class, you know, it was a university city called Lund where a lot of doctors and a lot of scientists too living and everybody had that perfect house with two kids and very traditional. And so my mom separated from my dad and she decided to move there because she got a job and just switch and get get a different feel of of Sweden and she wanted me also Mm -hmm. to learn better proper Swedish because I was like with all culture (laughs) all these languages wasn't just like a mix yeah so we moved there and I struggled because very few looked like me very few and also my mom struggled because she was a single mom with a mixed kid Mm -hmm. that was also like oh shit like all the women right away were like oh she's gonna take her man and the whole thing you know and (laughs) gosh you know and so I was I was starting that school where these kids were ahead, like miles away ahead. They knew how to write and read and everything very early. So my struggle was that. But I was very creative. I loved to dance and sing and all that. And that's where I shine. But the teachers would always tell me that I have to give space. And that's very Swedish culture. Mm. To everybody's equal and don't outshine. You can't outshine anyone. So that was like my struggle to, to not outshine in a subject. Jeez, talk
0: about stomping all over the dreams and aspirations, aspirations of children with imaginations and
1: yeah, for sure. So my, and I started to do that. I started to become more shy, really shy and really kind of close, close myself. And for a long time, a long time, I was very close and really feeling like, ah, I don't belong here. So in a long, during my childhood, I knew that I was not going to stay in Sweden. I love Sweden. I do. I have a lot of benefits. I still go. My family lives there. But that's why I'm saying I'm a citizen of the world because I don't don't necessarily have to be in a box. I don't like to be in a box either.
0: That's wonderful. That's that's so wonderful. I remember hearing mm. when I was I don't know, I was probably in like eighth grade or something mm. and living living essentially the sort of straight and narrow life as a kid. And but 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 thinking this doesn't some of this doesn't seem right. I feel like I'm not suited for this straight narrow life. And mm. I had a teacher who started talking about thinking outside the box. And I was like, wait, I'm in a box. Oh, <laughs> shit. I didn't, you know, um, and I, you know, you got yeah, right like a mind box, blow. You know, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, 100 percent You gotta just, you know, you gotta think outside the box. There's no question. And now mm-hmm. it's it's like a cliche that they probably say it like, you know, business employee retreats somewhere. Um, you have to think outside the box, you know, all while remaining in the box. Okay. We don't want you to yes. actually <laughs> we don't literally mean we want you to like do something else than what you're doing right mm-hmm. now. But so actually I have I do have a couple quick questions based on on what yes. you said so far. One is you said your dad was in the entertainment business. What mm-hmm. what was he doing in in that world?
1: He is actually one of the first ones that started to um, teach salsa and all kinds of really? salsa, like all so kinds of Cuban dancer. dance. Okay, um, yeah, he worked in the television in Havana uh, for a long time. He was doing the um, the uh, set design. And then when he moved to Sweden, he's like, "Oh, hold on a minute! There's something missing here." Mm, yeah. <laughs> so he, so he was one. Him and two friends more. They started to teach salsa, uh, salsa and cha cha cha, mambo, rumba, all that Cuban, Cuban dances, and it worked very well because, like, again, Sweden is very open for culture. Mm-hmm. So they had a big clientele of people. This was in the '90s, like the salsa scene, and still, like, it's huge. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, there's there's even like a um, Swedish, cube. Uh, they're Swedish, but they do perform uh, Cuban music, like salsa music. It's a salsa mm-hmm. band, but they're all Swedish people,
0: <laughs> and they're really that's good. That's got to be interesting. Yeah, that that <laughs> Is that's, they're really good. That's actually what I meant before when I was talking about <laughs> the the sort of mashup of of cultures. And then the uh, you know just the other follow up question would be what what was your mom doing? What was your mom doing for a living?
1: Um, she so okay so. I don't know really what she was doing when we were living in Stockholm but when we moved I haven't asked damn <laughs> it's not good get to anyway. know
0: your parents one. <laughs> yeah
1: I'm like, well but I know she now <laughs> she's in the academic field so she okay. was studying and getting her doctorate when we moved to um to the south of Sweden so that's what she was doing like corporate she was doing corporate work and uh yeah now she's still in the academic and just killing it like she's really killing it and I'm really both my parents are really fighters but she was a single mom back then Mm -hmm. studying at the same time and taking care of me and working. so it's like wow and now she's like yeah killing it yeah same my dad you know
2: that's great Uh, yeah
1: so she's more like in the academic and my dad is more like the sales entertainment. He loves everything I do. He's like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, even my mom, but she, she stopped asking me, when are you getting, when are you going to university? Like she stopped asking. that.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a, things. that's an, that's a tried and true sort of thing um, when talking with artists, myself included, which is mm-hmm. the, the sort of what's the safe path. Do I go to college? Do I get a degree? Do I just, do I just go for it and pursue yeah. my dreams and, you know, and, uh, Another thing I wanted to say too, and we probably yeah. will end up talking about the the passion, you know, and what drives us aspect of this too. Mm-hmm. But I, I was curious to know like, did you do you have memories of being a little kid and dancing with your dad? Do you have memories of him teaching oh you how to dance? Oh my gosh.
1: Yes. I have yeah. videos, pictures. Like I couldn't stop dancing. My mom has like so a sweet. bunch of videos where I'm like dancing to everything. I used to sneak in and watch MTV. My parents were like, no MTV for you, lady. And I would be like, when they were not there watching all these like booty shake videos, (laughs) like (laughs) all these rapper videos, like all vulgar. And I would be like looking at that and uh, shit. But I knew when I watched MTV that something was familiar. I have done this before. I really Mm. felt it. I still do. But when I was a kid, I I knew what I was going to do. I felt like I've been there before. I've done that in past life or something. I knew that I would be living here in LA.
2: That's
0: that's that's so interesting. And I can identify, and I don't think, I, I just don't think it's the same anymore. Um, right. I, n- now I'm going to sound like the old man who's like telling, t- <laughs> telling kids to get off my lawn. But this is... <laughs> You know, I came of age in the 80s. I was I was oh. whatever I was nine. I was 10 years old or whatever. When MTV started, I remember mm. my parents didn't even have I came from a house where we didn't even have cable. And, yeah. and strangely enough, my grandmother, uh, you know, who was in her 50s or 60s at that time had cable and I w- we would go to their house or, and we were we would go to her house and we would have a little weekend and we just sit in front of the TV and watch MTV all day. And, and one of the, I mean, first of all, that just doesn't happen anymore really for anything, unless you're really binge watching something. But it was, it was a, it was an, it was a cultural phenomenon. We were 100% sort of glued to it. And I think that we, you know, we grew up at a time where our attention spans were a little longer maybe than they are Mm -hmm. now. I mean, did they even even really have full length videos on MTV They
1: did. They did. I think the only like real reality show they had was like the Osbournes that was like the one that we, we I remember but they were talking pass- about when
0: you were a kid you, that that's yeah, what it was know, still yeah, yeah.
1: But, but i think that's now. like when it started
0: Yeah, now it's like i yeah. don't know
1: i don't even watch like i don't know yeah.
0: that's what i'm saying you know it's yeah. and, and even the oldest videos there were cheaply produced on <laughs> on you know not even shot on film and it just shot on videotape yeah. and it was it looked terrible oh it was terrible uh, but i was i was glued to it i was fascinated <laughs> by it I'm sure that's one of the reasons why I started in my mind at nine, 10 years old to think like, this could be something I want to do. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's an, it, it. I think timing is a big part of it. You know, when mm-hmm. you grow up, the environment you're in and certainly in your case, the kinds of experiences that you were having, you know, being in a, in a family where your dad was a dancer, mm-hmm. where you learned, I don't want to speak for you, but I can imagine mm-hmm. that you, you, you developed some sense of, of freedom in dance and and mm. joy, is that true? I don't want to. Yes. Okay,
1: that's true. My yeah. dad thought I was going to be a dancer. He was convinced because that was that was my passion. But then again, I have to say I was a talented kid. What can I do? Like here, that's what I love with with the states that when a kid has a talent, you encourage that talent. You want it grow. You grow that talent. Sweden is like. Oh, you're too talented. So, back off. Get in line. And that I don't know if it was strange. particularly with me or cuz some other kid's might have another experience, but it was always, hey, back in your line. Back in your line. Mm-hmm. Don't outshine. So, I I lost the passion for it.
0: Can we talk about that? Cuz that that's yes. to me that's a big deal. And yeah, I I can't I can only imagine shaped you in in, mm-hmm. in significant ways. So, when you say that at a certain point in your life, you started to actually experience either through, I don't know, through osmosis or people directly confronting you and essentially mm-hmm. telling you, you, you can't be like this. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to back down. Um, mm-hmm. What was that like for you? I mean, how did you process that as a, as a young woman?
1: I thought there was something wrong with me something you know it started I started to become insecure I was not fitting that box that that teacher or wanted me to be in I was not the ideal that this teacher has put up so I was always constantly also working for approval or like hey I want that that, yay, you're doing good, but it was never, it was always something, you're out shining, you're pushing, and so it made me feel like I was an annoying kid, and that made me quiet. Yeah. I was afraid to even show, or for a long time, I did not pursue, I mean, this is early, I'm talking about being four years old in a ballet class, that's like, yep. that's early, that and then going to school and getting older and getting reminded again like don't take too much space they had meetings with my parents saying that I was taking too much space on all the creative sides where it's music or dance or everything that has with creative things to do but then they had meetings also me being too slow on reading so it's like like you say in, in Cuba, like fuck. Like yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what do you guys want? What do you guys mm. want? And hearing it from different people, wanting different things, it makes you confused. So that shut me, shut me in a very early stage. When I look at picture when I was a kid, I see that melancholic look that not really happy, because what I really want to uh. do is to just express. express
0: yeah i I mean that's genuinely heartbreaking i I, you know it's 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 probably an all too familiar story
1: yeah i know there's so many people having the same
0: yeah and i'm i'm a i'm a father to two daughters Mm. and you know to me being being critical of your children is is just it's it's in my opinion it's just an awful awful heartbreaking thing Mm. to do and and for them especially for, for young girls, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. society is, it's hard enough as it <sighs> is. Do you think that if you, when you look back on that experience, do you think that that hindered you creatively in ways that you think you would have, I don't know, you would feel, you would feel in a place where you are like more internally, you would have been more internally happy if you hadn't, experience those things I don't know if that question makes sense
1: no 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 it makes sense actually I had that talk with with Lugo producer yeah yeah and it took me a long time because I always been my voice is I know my voice is good and I do have talent in writing but I still question myself it's not until now three years ago, two years ago, I really don't give a shit and I just get it out there. Mm -hmm. Like, bluff, without overthinking. And of course, I think it's normal for any creative to overthink it. Mm -hmm. But the expression, I was afraid to express myself and it took me a very long time in a way that I saw other fellow musicians that were insecure could and I couldn't. I was Mm -hmm. blocked.
2: Yeah,
0: isn't that something that I don't think you could find a single creative out there, a single artist or, or anyone involved in entertainment and athletics, you know, who wouldn't say that they deal with sometimes profound insecurity and self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But most of us, certainly if we want to succeed at what we're doing, we do it anyway. Yeah. And that says something about that says something about you and and mm-hmm. your courage, you know, and your your ability to just say, look, I have this doubt, but. This is something I love to do and I'm going to do this. Is that, I mean, so do you, this is still, this is still something for you right now as you're sitting in LA that you live with insecurity, doubt.
1: For sure. But not as I used to, I I would say, uh, now I really don't give a shit. I mean, I, now I really don't. Mm-hmm. Even if I mess it up, I mess it up. If you don't like what I write, you don't like what I write. I write something else, like, or I. You don't like the way I sing. Well, I'm not. I'm like, okay. I don't. I do not care anymore. It's.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I used to care, in in so in a way that, not only the judgment from other people, but the the judgment of myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't sure. know if it makes
1: any sense. That's,
0: it absolutely does.
1: And I know most people have it, but I—I I feel like I had it for so long, for since I was four years old, because I still had the teachers in the back of my head.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I I, yeah, I know. I mean, I—I <laughs> I, I feel like I—I've held my tongue, but I just want to say, like, I identify with you every, with everything <laughs> yeah, for that sure. you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I completely identify with you. Um, my experiences obviously were a little different, you know, we're all unique people with uh, histories, but God, there were plenty of times where I got, I got pushed back in ways that that surprised me and, and, and made me feel vulnerable. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just think that it's, it's such an important thing. I mean, I host a podcast, so I'm not like, (laughs) I'm not some expert here, but I am a father. And I just think like, you know, for any parents, it's just like, do what you can to nurture them and and support them. And, you know, mm-hmm. my kids, like any kids, want to be, you know, they. Uh, my oldest daughter wants to be a writer and she wants to be maybe an actor and a singer. And, you mm-hmm. know, when I was a kid, I wanted to do all those things. And and then you yeah. get to a certain age where you start saying, oh, well, I can't do all of that or the, most of these are impractical. And then suddenly you might find yourself in something that you really don't like.
2: So yeah. I always
0: tell my kids, like, you know, do what you pursue your passions. Honestly, you know, Don't worry about the money. Don't worry about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. just because you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life in some form or another. So, yeah. You know, pursue the thing that you like and love.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, but honestly, I do believe that you can do most of the things in any yeah. age.
0: Yeah. I agree with you. I agree. I think it's a tragedy that it happens to people that they start off with all these dreams then they get have experiences like you and I have had, mm-hmm. where somebody kicks them in the crotch, and they, and, you know, at a moment they least expect it, and yeah. you know they're they're trying to do something to to show off their talent, and someone's like, man. And that's devastating. And they're traumatized by it. And slowly but Mm. surely, their soul shrivels a little bit. And they think, well, I can't do this. And, oh, by the way, everybody else I know is going to college. And I I guess I'll just become an accountant. And it's a story, I'm sure, of so many people. Oh, my gosh. Right? It's a crime. Yeah, I I agree totally. I mean, obviously, I think, (laughs) you know, our our system, like our economic system and, and just about every aspect of our system would have to change Fundamentally, for everyone, oh for every yeah. single human being, to become a painter yeah. or a philosopher, <laughs> um, which would be absolutely fine with me. Uh, we need more creative people and 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 more thoughtful mm. and philosophical people in the world. So I don't know if that's a realistic goal, but <laughs> you know, we could we could certainly benefit from more um, more artists. For you sure. Know, I, what What do you think about this? This is just a, 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 a mm-hmm. sort of a philosophical question. I I believe that. In the grand scheme of things, one of the best things, if not the best thing that human beings ever created was art.
1: 100%. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I can't say anything else.
0: Yeah. Okay. Honestly,
1: it's more like, okay, even aliens are like jealous. (laughs) Aliens are looking out there. They're like, shit, we don't got that shit. That's why the Earth is so special. Yeah. Because it has tunes and whenever art, it has like a vibration that you're like, holy shit.
2: Yeah,
0: you're right. We're, we're simpatico on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like- really, how many, I don't know, 20,000 years ago or something, some early human said, I, somehow I have this notion that if I take a some object and string some other object along it and pluck that string, it's going to produce noise. Yeah, And then... To- <laughs> I mean think about it yeah somehow we get to pianos and electric guitars and you know probably drums actually probably drums and I'm not saying this because I'm a drummer probably came Uh, one of the earliest things ever yeah
1: probably pounding
0: on things but still and 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 then to paint and to write and Mm -hmm. you know it's it's just an amazing thing right yeah
1: it's amazing even like the like words like vocals like the first Words that was created. I wonder which one was the first word, actually.
0: You're not gonna believe (laughs) this is. You're not gonna believe this. I was. Okay, you know it. Well, no.
2: I (laughs) I wish I had a time
0: machine. No, my answer is not going to be as revelatory as that. I know the first word, but my daughter, my my youngest daughter, and I were sitting at the kitchen table last night. She was doing her homework, and she looked over at me, and she said, "You know, I have these questions, and I ask them all the time, and I think about them all the time. And one is, who was the first person on Earth? And you know, what was the first word?" How mm. did how did we start speaking words? You know, yes. very much as long along yeah. as of what you're what you're saying. Yeah,
1: there you go. Like that curiosity, though. That's like that's good.
0: Yes. Yes. And that's also really seriously. You could do a three hour podcast <laughs> on on just that alone. Yes. How, what was the transition from just entirely internalized thinking, which yeah. would have been pre-language like we wouldn't have even had the words we wouldn't be thinking in words if we didn't have words right so who knows what that was and and we were grunting and shout you know groaning yeah and then somehow probably you know picked pictogram people people looked at a tree and they drew a tree and you know
2: yeah but then how do you
0: get the word tree yeah and and you come to realize that every single one of these words is completely arbitrary and not mm-hmm. inherently linked to the object that the word is signifying. You know, that's the yeah. kind of stuff that you could go. No, for,
1: forever, forever. Yes. No, no, no. I get to those. Mime. I don't even have to smoke or anything. I was just going to say that
0: <laughs> good, clean, good, clean living and um, thinking about mind blowing things like the ever expanding universe. And you you're good you know
1: <laughs> you're good you're set you're good. you're good yeah that's awesome oh my god
0: oh so <laughs> so okay um what so you're you're a young woman at this point you're still living in sweden you've you've dealt with i i would say a lot of cultural sort of downward pressure as you said from from feelings of 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 racism or prejudice from in your society in, in society where you were living from being with a being in a place that people were telling you don't live up to your full potential, please. You know, you're mm-hmm. embarrassing the other people. At what point do you, at what, how old are you roughly when you, when you start to say like, I'm going to do this and and I, it doesn't matter what those people say. And at what point did you start singing? Cause you haven't, maybe you've been singing all along, but you've you been mm-hmm. talking about dancing and stuff. So at what point mm-hmm. did you start to develop your voice and, and feel like you wanted to sing?
1: Um, honestly, I was singing in my bedroom, just like, Going through notes, singing songs I like, and my neighbor heard me through the window, and he knocks on the door. I'm going down, and he's like, "Hey!" And he was the new neighbor, the new, the new guy. He's a musician, so he's like, "Hey, I just heard you sing." He's like, "Hey, can you? Do you want to record some songs that you were singing? Let's like just to test it out and see where it go, like where we go with this." So I was like, "Okay."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I started to record the songs. Uh, I recorded like six songs. Also, because he had his new studio, he wanted to try out and have fun. He's a teacher. So he was like, yeah, let's, let's see where we get from here. And from there, we start to get gigs on uh, weddings and playing together. He would play piano. I will be singing. Like he went all like mm. so quick from just that moment. And I was still very shy, but not with him because he kind of encouraged me to, to sing. Yeah. Um, I'd start to take lessons. And there again, like, you're too loud. (laughs) I I was like, but I was still going there. So that was one that was like 12. And that was until high school. So my high school was uh, music, uh, musical school. And that's where I started to develop my voice. And I actually had one teacher there that really, till they, till they were this day we're talking, she really understood my voice. And she started to really like take everything out and give me challenges, like challenge me with songs. She will give me like Aretha Franklin and Chaka Khan. Like she will like. (laughs) like <laughs> there just yeah. get it out there and mm-hmm. that's when I started to develop more confidence in in my voice and from there I also started to write in studios and record vocal backup vocals and and pitch to uh, Swedish artists and yeah and so on
0: a couple of quick questions how old yeah. were you how old were you when you were when you recorded those first handful of songs 12, or, Twelve. you were oh my gosh okay yeah
1: i had a very then, mature voice i just yeah. didn't know i was so new in it so I, don't, I didn't have a register i didn't know my register how much i could go but my sound was very mature it just wasn't developed yet
2: yeah
0: and then you said you went to a music school yeah so was this was this a discrete exclusively music high school yes or
1: No, we were had, we had this, um, it was half music, it was private, but they still had to go with the Swedish um, requirements. Like, Mm -hmm. so it, it was, most of it was music, but we also was, we were also taught, you know, what we needed for society. But honestly, where my confidence grew the most was when I had to, it was a casting, you had to go in and show your craft. Before entering
0: the school. I was wondering if you had to audition. Yeah, and, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, you had to audition. It's a pretty prestigious. So I auditioned, I applied for it. And there was like the teachers there were three teachers who were sitting on this table. I was super nervous. And yeah. I started to sing. And the first note, one of the teachers cried. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> you couldn't have, I mean, brand and- slam. That's incredible. He just this.
1: put the pen down, put the hand on his freaking hand, like, and the drops were coming on his. I remember, like, yesterday, and the other one was looking, and he was looking there, and he was lo- and I'm not like, and they're
0: crying. You're <laughs> crying. <laughs> yes.
1: And when I was done, he was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All tears. And that was actually the toughest teacher in school. Like, he was tough. He was like, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that was really rewarding. And yes. that's when I'm like, fuck I got it girl like come on how much are you gonna beat yourself
0: yeah I would think that would have been like a really huge moment for you for considering mm-hmm. the the life that you've been describing and all those people the, the naysayers and the you know mm-hmm. to, to to transcend like that must have been a vindication for you I yeah
1: yeah you know. and I was doing very well in the music parts the only thing I'm really bad at it's uh, reading music because my dyslexia and Mm. it was it's like math it's Mm -hmm. so complicated I do know basics but it was so hard for me it's really hard so I would have I did a lot of like uh, in person instead of writing uh, when I had those um, tests Mm -hmm. but um,
0: like when it comes to like if you had a melody or something. Yeah, or exactly.
1: To, and following yeah. the beats and you know, like clap to the beats and where it's supposed to be, like all that I could, like that's yeah. the Cuban. I was like, Yeah,
2: yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: This, <laughs> <I'm not good. laughs> this is but to actually read it, oh, that was really struggling. So yeah. but I passed, I passed. And yeah, that's where I build up. So during that time, it was a three year program. I was feeling very confident. Um, My teachers were encouraging me. They're really there even inviting me to to sing at weddings, their weddings, their parties. Uh, You know, it was like uh, even, I was even um, helping the new new students with performing. And I even got the award of the best performer, which was like, wow, like the last year, all these things build me up during that bubble. But once we ended, this is the thing, the crisis, what do I do next? Yes. When the real world
0: is 100%. I just want to ask very quickly, what year yeah. was that when it ended?
1: Uh, 2012.
0: Okay, so 2012, you finish at this school. Mm-hmm. And so then you're kind of looking out on the horizon. You've left yeah. the, the that environment where your mm-hmm. talent was being nurtured and, and growing. Mm-hmm. And you have the existential moment.
1: And the, the cool. pressure oh, of yes. really making it now because yeah. teachers, everyone, students are expecting. it.
0: So what did you do? How ooh. did you handle it?
1: <laughs> I got depressed I for the
0: details. a year. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I get it. I,
1: I was, um, I applied for a school in Havana in Cuba.
0: Had you been there uh, yet at all since you, since ooh, you yes. had to there? Oh, born. yes. Okay.
1: Yes, yeah. yes. okay. So every you- year, every year. Every year, once a year, I'm super close to my family. There, super close to the culture. I know. I, I'm no Cuba is like, especially Havana. Yeah, okay. I, I can't say I, yeah. I know some shit there. I, I'm not too <laughs> ignorant.
0: <indirect laughs> okay, when we stop when we stop recording, we can you can let me know.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> on the download oh, we'll,
1: exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was going to apply everything was done. I had the people. We knew teachers there that had made it happen because it's a little bit complicated when you're not. Even if I'm a daughter to a Cuban, it doesn't mean that I get to be there because I'm also still an uh, outsider. So it's really hard to get in. And and then, you know, it was just a complicated thing. Cuba is complicated. But we got everything set. Everything was ready to go. I even had the teacher that I know is one of the most prestigious like she's the best singer in Cuba everybody she's like the queen and I got her to be my like to develop my voice even more but then I got depressed and I was in a very dark space that I couldn't see my future seeing that oh everything that I fought for was just an illusion I went to that rabbit hole of darkness like Mm. this world is a dark place and yeah it was for two years with that Until 2015, I started to get out of my own shell again. So yeah, two years, two years. So I decided to go to LA. I went there for three months. I really liked it. I went to see what's going on, checking venues, da, 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 you know, as a tourist. And from there, I was like, you know what? I can't get a visa as a musician since I haven't done much yet. But what I can do is as a model. So I went to Italy and okay. start
0: to model. All right. A couple of questions. You go to LA, mm-hmm. you're hanging out in LA for three months. Did you have yeah. any sense of awe and wonder about being in LA? Um, I know I do and did for, for sure as a kid, there's something yeah. about it. Did you have it? Did you have any thoughts like somehow I'm going to come back here and I'm going to conquer this town? For sure. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yes, yes. If you yes. can make it,
0: you know, it's a little Frank Sinatra song about New York City. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. I feel like the yeah. same is true of L.A. For you know. sure, for uh, sure. Oh L.A. is so geographically massive. It doesn't, I mean, in New York, you can hop from bar to bar, from club to mm-hmm. club. You can you can do a little trio and you can play five nights a week, you know, but L.A., yeah. you're like oh 90 gosh. minutes from one place to the next. and
1: <laughs> You know, people don't want to drive to places. People yeah, don't want to go. Yeah. They're like, hell no, like, no. It's so hard to gather people. That's what I found out yeah. um, later in the other chapter of my okay, life. Okay.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> so cl- closing this chapter, opening the next chapter, which is your <laughs> your modeling career. In, yeah. In, okay. Sorry. Tell me about that. How does that uh, happen that you find yourself in Italy? And had I, you done so, modeling before?
1: No, no. Okay. Nothing. Nothing. So I just found, figured like, okay, let me get in here and just make money. You know, mm-hmm. um, So I moved to Milan and I just stepped into agencies and just hand over any picture that I had. I didn't even have a book. And they're like, okay, let's try out for a week and see what happens. And in that week, I started to work already. So I started to work quite a lot. So I did that for three years going back and forth between Milan and Paris, working for brands and, you know. Amazing. And just but I got soaked up in that, with that feeling still that something mm. is missing. Something is oh, missing.
0: The ever, ever elusive. Yes,
1: that that little piece that you all chase. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like you're not that doing sucks. it. You're not doing yeah. what you're supposed to do. Like yeah. you're getting off track, off track, off track. And um, but my my one brain was telling me, no, you are on track. Your goal is to make money, enough money so you can go back to LA and, you know, continue with, with your music. And the other half is like, no, you're off track, Mm -mm, Mm. girl. No, no, no. This is not where you're meant to be. You know, (laughs) it's just, just like, but once I decided that now is the time to come to back to LA, I decided, and then I don't even know how everything just happened.
0: Which is not that long ago. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll see if I can tease it out of you with my <laughs> with my basically competent interviewing skills. Um, oh my God. So all right, wait, back up though, I want to back up because okay. there, this is this is leading to a point that i that I, I'm always curious about when it comes to to any artists I talk with.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: When you get to um, Milan and you you, you know, like you said, you start handing out some pictures, you pop into modeling agencies and you start getting work. Uh, I assume doing shoots and ending up in magazines and walking, um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, doing the catwalk and the Mm -hmm. runway, you know, did you, was that your first taste of what could be described as the glamor of show business or the glamor of stardom and Mm. having people look at you? They're not just in the room. You are the center of attention. And and how did that feel for you? Was that that an intoxicant for you? Was that something that you liked?
1: It was a new confidence. Mm
2: -hmm. While
1: they were talking, while they were encouraging you and saying how beautiful you are, they were also saying how ugly you are. Like the oh. model, oh, that's another subject yeah. that we okay. can go for a hundred years. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I would
0: love to talk about that. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, um, so it was that. But I do have to say that I grew a confidence where I have to just work it. Even if I'm feeling the, my worst, I have to go through a job and show that I'm killing it. So it built up that confidence that I have to just throw myself out there,
2: mm. no
1: matter what it is. Just throw yourself out there and be confident and look confident. And to a point where you actually become confident because with the help of the modeling industry of how tough it is, I see now the music industry, not easy or easier, but less tougher.
0: Mm-hmm. Because I've always had this feeling that, you know, that world of glamour and Cosmopolitan Magazine and mm-hmm. those kind of things, you know, that it does create an impression you mentioned the the people with ideals Mm -hmm. that it does create the impression that there is an ideal woman or an ideal shape um Mm -hmm. you know it's one of those things that just it's not it's just not at that level for guys you know in terms of the 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 constant barrage of media Mm -hmm. you know sort of telling them use this product use that you know we get the sort of (laughs) we get the ads for like Are you manscaping? You should be manscaping. You know, that's like, that's what we get, uh, you know, and does your deodorant, if you use this deodorant, do do, you know, what do you want? Do you want do you want women in bikinis to chase you down the beach? Yes. Wear this deodorant. You know, that's that's the level of targeted advertising that we get. But women get, I feel like women get a lot more of that. Like oh There gosh. is a physical ideal. There is a unique yes. specimen and you need to yes. be that and on and on and mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if that was something you talked about, how tough it was and people telling you that you were, you know, you were beautiful, but you were also not beautiful or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is I can only assume that modeling is one of those environments where whoever it is, a, a handler of yours or an assistant or, or, or a, a photographer or whoever's mm-hmm. in charge would be brutally honest with you.
1: Mm -hmm, for sure and especially in italy especially in italy oh like it's not even the clients anymore it's more like the agencies you stepped in they're like oh you're not really in the shape that we want no she was like you're fat (laughs) i was like excuse me
0: see that's that's what (laughs) i thought and yeah yeah she's like
1: oh you're fat let's see if you get some jobs if not you know and so i did work because i am a do i mean i am a go-getter so i was like okay Working so hard to that shape that they wanted. And then once I did it, no client wanted to book me. So it's always that. It was always mm. like, your hair is too curly. You look too exotic. We want white. We need blondes. We don't need mm. this, but da da da. Like it was always something like, always, always. Yeah. But it's an industry that's never, um, it's never happy. There's, you can never be enough for these yeah. people. Like it will never, like you can be their ideal, but they will find something within. You as well. Like you can be that perfect doll that they want, but they're still going to find that flaw. Like your ear is too big. Or you're, it's, like, yeah, it's like, no, yeah. you can't go forever with that shit. Yeah, um, absolutely. But it, yes, it. I had to start to build a confidence with myself and mm-hmm. not start to listen to other people because I'm not going to get what I want to hear. I just have to have the confidence myself because I have to go and get the job too. hmm that's, that was the confidence I built is like, hey, I'm here no matter you want it or not. And yeah. that's it. And that's something I think have helped me with the music industry because now I can go in with the confidence. And also with, my, with the fashion world, I learned to take things lightly because you hear things that could really scar you for your life.
0: I can imagine. You can,
1: you can take it in and just live with that for all your life. Some people don't even stay on this planet because of that. Or you take it light.
0: Yeah, I agree. So for you, so, you know, you were talking about how you decided to just sort of not give a shit anymore and to develop Mm -hmm. this level of confidence for you. And I, I have to assume that you had to do combat at least a little bit with your shyness when you... Because you'd mentioned that yeah. you had, you were shy and and now you're you're in Milan like one of the mm-hmm. most fashionable places mm-hmm. in the world and you're you're a beautiful woman surrounded by beautiful people and you're mm-hmm. you know did you did you feel like uh, initially scared to do mm-hmm. your first runway or
1: yeah I felt scared not scared I felt like nervous but I fast understood that my personality works in Italy mm, interesting yeah. The myself works in Italy now. I have to develop that person that I shut down in Sweden.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, God, and this is this yeah. is certainly this certainly reinforces my thinking that environment means so much. You know, the culture that we grow up in. Sure. Uh, you know, and and again, like the the world is full of uh, you know incredibly talented people who just simply are in an environment where the mm. opportunity is just not there economically there. Exactly. uh geographically isolated whatever the thing may be and you know you you were you grew up in a society that was that was sort of pushing down on you mm-hmm. and then you got to to italy and it was it was like you know a whole different ball game for you
1: yeah it was a whole different ball game and once i started to pick up my name because i was one of the few that looked like me we were like very few mm-hmm. uh, my look i was I was at one point straight my hair and doing whatever they needed, but then it became trendy and my look became trendy. Mm. So I was one of the few. So I was working in, on a rotation with these clients there, uh, but the word, got, the word got out and all of a sudden I see a Swedish modeling agency reaching out. So I'm like, and Oh, ch- okay. See,
0: Chickens come home to roost, yeah. don't they? <laughs> Exactly. I, that's probably totally the wrong expression.
1: <laughs> no, I love oh, that. Man. Chickens comes out of a rooster or something the, like that. Ch- <laughs> chickens
0: co- the chickens come home to roost.
1: Home, oh, yeah.
0: Or the fox is running the hen house or something. Yeah, I there you know. go. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. so that's no. amazing. So now you're getting you're you're being re- reached out to by Swedish modeling yes. agencies.
1: Yeah. And So I got signed there and I continued with modeling, but still with that, again, the noise in my head, feeling empty too, because it's very, uh, what do you call that shit? I just can't remember. I'm going to go with
0: shallow. Yeah. uh,
1: yeah. So, um, and I started to now talk with the uh, creative directors of these brands that I work with now regularly. Like, yeah, I'm a singer. So they know now that I, sing and you know they have that in the back of the mind and I started making that now I think that I'm a musician I'm a singer I'm not only this this is temporary you Mm. know I have a goal here Mm. (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah and that's when I came to LA back to LA
0: okay so you so when you when you got picked up by this modeling agency from in Sweden did you move Mm -hmm. back permanently to Sweden for a little while or you were just jet setting around and
1: yeah, I was come I was at going that from point Italy to
0: Paris and-
1: yeah, from that that point I was uh, rotating a lot mm-hmm. between Italy, um Italy, France and then I was in Sweden and then at one point I was going to Mexico like it was just like mm-hmm. I was not in one place. I didn't even have an apartment. I was Airbnb everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> With one backpack all my stuff oh, in one okay. in one.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i love to travel but i was also in a band and we toured you know almost 300 shows a year yeah. at some oh point. my gosh and and i will say it's it can be great fun but it's also it can be unbelievably exhausting and so oh I'm wondering, did you, how did you like how did you survive that you know to, living out of a backpack and 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 being on being essentially on the road
1: it was a little bit strugglesome by the last years of that of those three years that I was doing that hardcore it was more like okay I had a bank account here bank account there and all the paperwork where do I send this where do I, all those like society things that you have to think of the boring things that the was, things like, that to, creatives
0: <laughs> don't want to deal
1: with. Yes <laughs> <laughs> like to be organized with that yeah. and now the bank is calling because an issue here and I was like oh my God I
2: was like
1: oh. uh, so that was like the struggling part and also, all the time, be looking for places to live, and all the time, and at the same time, going to castings and then organize here, and then that didn't work out. It was like a lot of times you're like just thrown under under the bus, and be like, shit, I don't have a place to stay. I'm here in the middle of the street, and that person that I know is not home. And it was just like, oh, what do I do now? I have barely any money in my pocket because I'm waiting for the agency to pay me, and they haven't paid me for. Like four or five months and then they didn't yeah. pay me enough like it's just like oh
0: <laughs> you know? yeah the things that you have to put up with it's true I mean you know yeah uh there is there is a um and I I know this from my from my own perspective as a kid when mm-hmm. I before I started playing in a band and getting on the road and getting in front of crowds and things I would go to see shows all the time and see concerts and I would just yeah be, I would think to myself This, and without any irony or any cynicism whatsoever, I would say this is the dream life. Look at these guys or look at these women on the stage. Mm. They play in front of 20,000 people. They get in a a beautiful, luxurious bus. You know, they travel the country, they're famous and that must be so great and and making Mm. lots of money. I had no idea until I did it myself how how much work it really is, you know? Um, But we put up with it. Because, yeah. you know, um, yeah. because we want it, you know, we mm-hmm. want to do it. And, um, you know, it's clear that that's that's a characteristic in you that you I mean, you you mm-hmm. had to deal with a lot. I mean, not just that, but your whole life you've had to deal with, you know, there are obstacles that you that you overcome. And that's that's an admirable, admirable trait, no doubt. Uh,
1: but it's it's everyone is struggling. Even if you're yeah. doing a day job, you will be struggling. Is It doesn't matter. Of
0: course but I, I do think one thing that we experience in in the community of arts is the highs and lows i think are much more intense mm. than a typical cuz i've had 9 to 5 jobs you know i taught yeah. at a college and i had office hours and sat in committee meetings and you know mm. it's pretty mundane mm. at the end of the day you know it's not mm. like there's like amazing things going on every minute and um so for for us you have for example you have an experience where You have a magical night where Mm -hmm. everything's incredible, and you feel like you're on top of the world, and there's just this incredible, just adrenaline and 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 joy kind of pulsing through your body. Mm -hmm. And then the next night, it's it's like the worst night you've ever had. You know, everything goes wrong. You know, and so so the high it's like a roller coaster that's almost exclusively ups and downs. It never Mm -hmm. you know it never entirely planes out. You know, you're still. Yeah. going up and down you yeah know, have you had have you had experiences like that you know this is something i feel like i want to talk with 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 guests on the show about like mm-hmm. just when you just like this it was the shittiest night you've ever had or or shitty you know it, things just were terrible in in every conceivable way
1: yeah i have to say when i had the band for sure yeah. the hustle of putting everyone together like the day before to honestly not just the day before the day of everybody there put everybody together get everyone to be there on time to like uh, coordinate here and there and like someone is like no I don't want to do that I don't want to do that oh why is he doing that and I don't have to? It, it was like all this argue right before the performance and then yeah. even on that same night having the bass player coming like right when we're about to about to perform and yeah. and the rest of us well me mostly the other guys are like, yeah, I but you mean with my heartbeat like yeah you oh you know yeah. and also bringing because that this i'm talking about the mint i have to bring people in there i have yeah. to bring an audience talking about flaky like yes people oh, yeah. here in la are flaky because it's so far everywhere and i i don't mm-hmm. i don't blame them like but even people say oh i'm coming and then they're not coming and that that hustle of bringing people to this place and also satisfy uh, the mint, satisfy the, the uh, musicians, satisfy the, the public. And then I'm like, you know, my, my heartbeat is here. Mm. And the bass play is like three minutes before we have already started with the introduction of the whole thing. Oh, and then God. just jumps in, you know, and like, you know, like oh, oh, you know, and it, of course he can do that because he's amazing bass players. Like, uh-huh. damn it, you know. You're talking,
0: and you're talking about the Mint, the venue yeah, the in Mint, LA. The venue yes.
1: in LA. Yeah. And you know, and having that stress, and then once we just get that first song out, everybody's on place. The musicians remembers now. Like my band, everybody remembers why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. They're playing their hearts out. I'm singing my heart out. The people are like on their feet and you know like dancing and clapping and blah, blah, blah. and when that whole like 45 minute is done that's the top of the the yeah. freaking mountain yes. that that's like okay it's worth it
0: totally. <laughs> i agree there's nothing like it in the world no because you're you know because you're doing something that came from you yeah and you're putting it out there and you're pouring your heart in you know out and you're you're putting everything you have into it and to have a situation where you give all of this energy and passion to the audience and they give it back.
1: Yes. Oh that's the
0: feeling that you want, you know. That's
1: the sh- that's I'm getting chills now.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, that- I I did too. <laughs> Goosebumps. Because yes. it's true, that is really ultimately the one of the greatest feelings you'll ever have, you know. Mm. And, uh, and conversely, the worst feeling and I experienced it many, many nights is where you do put everything you have out oh and the, the audience just like a black hole. They absorb that energy and they don't give it back.
2: No. And then it, oh, feels, yes. it,
0: it really feels like you're on a, a little bicycle and you're you're pedaling uphill continuously for two and a half hours. You know, that, yeah. that's tough. That's. That's yes. when you, you know, nights get, you get a handful of nights like that. And that's when you start to go, man, this, I, I don't know anymore. I don't know I, about this.
1: Yeah. It's like when everybody's like talking to themselves or they're super yeah. drunk, you know, and screaming, everything. And you're like, there's playing and you're like <laughs> so you're mm-hmm. all quiet because mm-hmm. what I would do, we would do like reverse it. then Then we would do more like a lounge thing.
0: Just because, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you do have to know your crowd. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. That's a that's a very important skill. Um, we've done. We did for some inexplicable reason. We did some corporate gigs, oh. and, which is just not who we are. I mean, we were yeah, we yeah, were yeah. a jam band. You know, yeah. we are a jam band. We ended up doing one at the top of the Prudential Building in in um, Boston, oh. which is you know like this insurance mm-hmm. company building, and it's a pretty iconic landmark in Boston. And everybody was like in tuxes. Here we are. We're like, this is what I was wearing, you know, a black t-shirt or whatever. We're playing, you know, grungy jam band music. Like, uh, and there are these people in Texas holding glasses of champagne. (laughs) I mean, we got, paid. we got, you know, it was one of those things. Sometimes you just got (laughs) to take the check, but I I remember that as being one of the, one of the top five worst gigs I ever personally, I ever played. It just felt, it was brutal. (laughs) Uh,
1: I can just see that like oh it's like crickets. i mean you could
0: not have booked a more inappropriate band for a for a, for a black tie corporate event, oh, yes. you know catered and yeah
2: yeah
0: you know i mean that's just it's crazy i know uh, you could probably interview a oh, hundred comedians who've done that kind of thing oh my
1: god no for sure for sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, piano player in my band. Um, sometimes we would do just gigs with him and I for like mm. loungy stuff. And he got booked. He's a comedian, so he got booked for this very formal like women's group. I don't. They call it the Lady in Pink or something. Lady in whatever. Like they're mm. they have their their community and it's super formal. They have like five course meal and it's super nice the event was mm. super nice and they booked him and he was like doing his comedy that was way off <laughs> it was way off he was like talking about you know black he has more like black jokes and like because he's a black guy you know and you know like the hood and everything and this and these girls these ladies are like oh, quiet
0: oh, oh quiet I, you know what? You, I was gonna say you they should ask it. him. You should ask him if he did it on purpose, because some comedians do yeah. it on purpose.
1: Yeah, they absolutely like, do it
0: to, to they they bomb on purpose.
1: Because the thing was like this: lady didn't know if they could even laugh. Mm. You know, it was that way. they like, "Can I laugh to this? Isn't this like is it is it racist if I laugh or not?" Like they were so thrown off the whole thing. Like, oh my yeah. gosh.
0: Yeah, that's Uh, a whole other level of of uh, insecurity. If someone tells a funny joke and you're like, "Should I laugh at that?"
1: Exactly. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, but yeah, that feeling though, like.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um. Mm -hmm. So, so, all right, so let's, let's, let's talk about this, this LA thing. So, so mm-hmm. you make, you, you must, obviously you made some money, you, you were able to bank enough money that you could make this decision. Was that scary for you to say, okay, I'm gonna, at least in some, on some level, I'm walking away from, from modeling. Um, maybe you were still doing, maybe you're still doing the same thing, at both mm-hmm. things at the same time. Was that what you were doing? Yes. Yes. Or, okay, so, so, okay. So then it wasn't like a major crossroads no. for you that you had to say, this is the end of that. This is the new thing. So yeah. that's good. You, you yeah. were, you were diversifying
1: your, you know, Exactly. Your life. Cause I was still coming back to LA while I was, um, working in Milan. So I was coming back and forth all the time and try to like, still cook a little bit here and cook a little bit there. And when I, um, got back, I was like, I'm back. And I'm ready to roll, mm-hmm. ready to roll.
0: Did you have connections here? I mean, aside from the modeling mm-hmm. connections, did you have people like uh, that were in, in a place of a position of, of uh, credibility or whatever that could really um, that could help you or Because yes sometimes you, you really no. have to work your way
2: up?
1: Yes, and, I know. had to work my, yeah. work my way up. It was... Um, There was a lot of um, young kids doing beats for other rappers or more like that. And so we will be working together and see if we can pitch this to that. Or it was a lot of that underground work. But when I started my band, that's when it started to upgrade. I -hmm. started where we were playing, we we started to get connections. People will reach out. We were doing like different venues Mm -hmm. uh, that really appreciate appreciated our music
2: and mm-hmm. our quality
1: um and honestly i yeah i met lugo the producer through one of the shows that we did you about that so. yeah yeah
0: so just for for listeners lugo is a, a grammy nominated producer and composer he's worked with a million people and he's a great guy and he's going to be on this show as a guest at Ooh. some point so um <laughs> so t- yeah tell me about how you how you got into into contact with lugo
1: yeah so Google came and saw my uh, performance. And after that, he's like, you should come to the studio. And from there, we really, we hit it off. We had the same taste. At that time, I was very into Sade. I love still Sade. So the idea was to do, because I was also performing neo-soul, but like with jazz and then a little bit upbeat. It, it was that vibe. Yeah. Um. So we started to develop a beat in that same vibe, but in Spanish. And here is where the interesting parts come because as much as me and how we loved the song in the Latin yeah. community, they got afraid of the song.
0: Okay, why?
1: It was, the intention was not political, but the intention was to break free. It's called Paraíso. It's about this girl that needs to get, she, her, or this person wants to go to paradise. And the lyrics was pretty powerful and pretty Mm. strong, opinionated, which is Mm. not usually the case in the Latin community for women. Women are not supposed to, back then, now it's changing, but women were supposed to be in tight skirts, and just sing about how much they love party or how much they love whatever. Or like, it was very like sexualizing. You gotta be Mm. sellable. But this song was kind of like, oh, she's talking about something different that we, um, like, Latinas don't do, especially how I look. I shouldn't do that because I'm half Cuban, so I should be more like sex appeal type of, of
2: girl. Mm. I
0: mean, <laughs> this has been, like, this has been a pretty persistent theme during this particular podcast. It's, it's, it sucks, <laughs> know. you know? Just it's does. just yeah everybody it's just, the same story
1: on. right it's repeating
0: yes <laughs> it's like, get with it everyone <laughs> come on anyway okay so it didn't but, get
1: it yeah didn't get but, the reception
0: you were expecting for
1: sure but the, another thing that was a culture crash was that i'm multicultural i'm swedish i'm not i don't identify myself as latina I am part of it, it's part of me, but I'm, okay, it's part of me, but I'm not part of that culture in that way, saying I have so many other cultures and I also have the Italian culture that is a part of me now. And so I was seeing myself as more global, which is hard for, a, um, we're talking about the commercial side of the Latin music, then mm-hmm. there's a wide other things, but we're talking about radio, whatever we want to play at radio right now. It, it was hard for them to pinpoint who I am. And they want to put me in a box since the closest to how I look is Cuban. So they want to put that reggaeton type of, of thing that I will be like singing reggaeton in a tight corset and, and dress and just showing my Cuban curves. <laughs> I feel I'm like... Like, I'm like, damn, like shit. I was like... Mm.
0: This is a podcast so people can't see, but I, my, like if uh, the level of flexing of eye rolling I'm doing right now, you know, like my brain hurts. It's like, that is so awful that, I, you, know, you know, I just what when, I mean? when creatives, they, they try to do what they do and then you get these people around them who are just like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. You know, we need to, we need to market it this way. And, you know, yeah. we, we, we can't pinpoint Whatever. Yeah. And it's like, well, what about the listeners for yeah. God's sake? You yeah. know, just yeah. let them trust their judgment. Let them decide. Sure. You know, the gatekeeping it's, aspect of it. Exactly. Oh, so frustrating sometimes.
1: Exactly. So from there, um, we decided to still, we put it out there, we published it and everything, but we we wanted to meet halfway with the Latin, I don't know even what it was, who, I don't know even who, honestly, I don't even know who we're trying to meet halfway. Yeah. <laughs> Someone there that we're trying to meet halfway with. Yeah. Um, so we come up with this other uh, this other um, sound. I was still like, hint, I was still trying to figure out my sound that could be commercial, but also my My sound. Mm-hmm. Because I love soul and everything, but I know that for where I want to head, me personal, where I want to head, I would need a more upbeat sound, a more um, commercial sound that everyone could like, okay, I I get this. So that sound was not a guitar, but it was Latin with pop and it was very danceable. People liked it. It went well. It was featured with Frankie J.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. The Sugar Sugar writer <laughs>
0: sure. and i should say i mean i should say i love pop music yeah you know i absolutely do without reservation i love it mm-hmm. and my kids listen to it and i love it and yeah I listen, you know i mean it's I, I i use the word pop music in the most loving way imaginable yeah, Mus- yeah, yeah music yeah. music that catches your ear that that has hooks mm-hmm. in it that makes you sing that makes you, mm-hmm. you know what i mean for music. sure yeah.
1: And this is also a thing like being with musicians that that it's like a cliche with pop music because all my like real like musician musicians are like, what are you doing? <laughs> like You're selling your soul. Like,
0: right, right. But Let's make some real music.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But <laughs> I do love pop music, too. And I've yeah. always wanted to do that pop yeah. music, but also, Absolutely. of course, with my flavor. So we did three singles in that same vibe and COVID hit. <laughs>
0: so. And here, yeah, this is the moment, right? I mean, this is yeah. the moment we've all been waiting for, COVID. COVID. Yeah. Okay, so, so tell me about it. You're, you're, you're at a moment where you're like, oh, my God, we're on yes. the runway.
1: We are on the runway. 2019 are... was great. Yeah. was great.
0: Okay, so, so, so tell me about it
1: we were, that song was so popular that we went to all the big Latin TV stations like the Telemundo and what do you call it? The Estrella TV, all that. Doing promo, then we went to the Grammys, uh, meeting with other people. It was just very, very fun for me. I mean, mm-hmm. Frankie has done this for so long, but for me it was like a new, new thing. And, and through that, I actually also got a gig as a TV hostess for this girl show called Get It Girl. Through an interview I was doing with one of these hostess, the production asked me if I wanted to do a casting to be another hostess because one of them was about to leave and so they asked me if I wanted to cast and see if it something for me or if it works or nothing. So I showed up to the casting, I did what I needed to do, like the audition, and then I just got the on spot. She's like, yeah, you got it. Isn't that, that amazing? year. Yeah. That yeah. year was like, wow, modeling is doing well. I'm working a lot in LA. And then the music is just like, wow, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then I have this TV host gig that is just, I was like, wow. From doubting myself so much to get that recognition or like telling, something telling me that, no, you are, you have been right this whole time since you were a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't ever betray the kid in you, the kid that is telling you what you're supposed to do and what you're going to do.
0: I'm, I'm just going to let that hang out there because I agree 100%. Yeah. So
1: 2019 was good. 2020 became weird. <laughs> we were like, what's going on in the beginning? Uh, yeah. we, we still published. Oh we, was... we still released two, the two other songs, but it just went down, just down. Yeah.
0: When did you? When do you think you felt? Because I I have a particular kind of personal moment when I realized that it was something that I think everybody thought initially when they start saying, you know, there are uh, 15 cases of this new very contagious, Condent, you know, yeah. virus, virus in America, and you know, your part probably the the rational part of your brain says, mm-hmm. well, you know, these things happen. I'm sure the federal government is on the job and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not, but, but they were also thinking, what's that?
1: They were also thinking like, ah, you know, that's, that's going to pass. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And saying it publicly, uh, you know, like, oh, it's, it's going to disappear. Don't worry about it. You know, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I do remember having a kind of visceral moment when I went, this is, Mm. this is going to be bad. It's going to be really bad, you know? So for you personally, what, what has this past 15 months been like?
1: A lot of self-reflection again, but in a deeper level where I realized because my life got so hectic moving to Milan and then coming here, like it got so hectic that I didn't realize I had so much more to just work on and just take, uh, just chill. Just because I'm not doing everything that's on my list today doesn't mean that I'm never going to do it. That kind of mentality. Yeah. The, but it was more like we released this song right when everything was closing down and we were going to uh. tour in Texas. Um, Frankie had invited me to tour with him. And when he was on the plane, they are like, nope, you're going back. So it was that moment and we kind of lost um, touch because I'm sure he went through his things. Lugo was going through his things. Everyone was like going through mm-hmm everything and there you are just like what am I gonna do now like what am I and nobody knows yeah
0: confusion I felt it for sure yeah right oh yeah depression really bad depression Mm -hmm. isolation loneliness you know um the only people I saw over the past 15 months were my kids and uh you know spending on you know spent nights many nights alone when they when they Mm. aren't with me you know, just kind of puttering around the house and and yeah. and being depressed and and real and actually yes, confused. Like, when is this yeah. going to end? Is it going to end? Mm-hmm. Are we are we going to reach the you know, flee <laughs> to the wilderness <laughs> stage of this thing at some point? You know, yeah. um And what 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 is my future going to look like as mm-hmm. a musician? As you know, so many things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So how how did you manage to get through it? Do you are you the kind of person who does who exercises who does Yoga, does meditates, does things like that to stay healthy, or what? What are some of what have been some of your coping skills for the past fifteen months?
1: I mean, even that, because then the whole thing became take care of yourself, your self care, and to do yeah, the self care, right. you need to do this and The mm-hmm. list was like, and that was stressful. I'm like, oh, so all of a sudden now to do your self care is like, is like a, a job now. Yeah,
2: yeah. So
1: I really just let that go. I walked a lot. Mm. And I had to come back in here. And at that time, the agencies were also freaking out. So they were giving us like homework to do for nothing, just and stressing us of things we have to do to do photo shoots at home and like practically doing the whole job for no pay. Um, And then sounds about right. yeah Yeah, and (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) yeah and then the tv station was like we don't know what we're gonna do like or zoom a lot of zoom things or like ig for free as well because they had no money so a lot of ig live live shows and like keep that and then i started to do my own i became very obsessed with my own social media to show like hi i'm still alive i'm still alive but that became like a pool of Other people also trying to do the same thing. So after uh, three or four months of doing intense social media, because the word was like, now is the time to work on social media. (laughs) You know, so everybody was like stressing about that. I did though do promotion for both songs. I did get some magazines done and photo shoots and interviews. I did a lot of that, but still like it just went out of the air because mm-hmm. yeah and it was overwhelming yeah. for a lot of people
0: i i it, it, absolutely <laughs> you I, right uh, yes i mean god you know it's a, it's a global pandemic you know the first time in over 100 years that anything like this has happened mm-hmm. and it really irks me that any mm. any human being with half a brain would spend any energy diminishing the significance of it yeah <laughs> it just yes. it, it 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 makes me furious mm, claiming sure. that it's not real claiming it's a hoax claiming yeah. it's yeah you know, oh my gosh ugh, no, no no it no. makes no, me sick no. you mm-hmm. know we've lost nearly 600,000 americans and counting you know and, and there were people out there being like
1: yeah it's like it's not real who cares like fake it's news and, uh, uh, no 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 no
0: all right well i guess but, i just planted my <laughs> i guess i just officially planted my flag on this podcast as someone who has a political point of view so <laughs> <laughs> It was something I was like, ah, oh, do I want to go I there. Have a view. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But what I mean, it's can
1: your I... Podcast, so come on.
0: You found me out, but <laughs> so okay. Well, yeah. now we're at a point where, as we as we get to the end of our conversation here, where mm-hmm. you are, you, you know, things have changed. Yeah. It was it was a terrible, you know, for everyone, for mm-hmm. anyone who you know for, lost yes. a loved one, for anyone yes, who, yes, who yes, had yes. a family or themselves personally got mm-hmm. sick. You know, I I I've been fortunate you know, I've been extremely fortunate. I took, I was mm-hmm. very careful. I isolated. Um, like I said, I, I was really like a hermetically sealed environment. So I've been fortunate in that regard, but yeah. now I'm fully vaccinated. You know, it's been three Ooh, weeks or so yeah. since I got my vaccine nice. and I'm assuming if you haven't yet, you, you, you could be at some point. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, yeah. So there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Yes, for sure. Yeah. Finally
0: yeah so where do you feel how do you feel now about mm -hmm. your your future your you know your career and your future what what what's going on with you right now
1: i i see it really bright so yeah in august yeah no i feel like for you i do yeah yeah Yeah. oh oh, okay yeah oh yeah no i'm not talking (laughs) about myself (laughs) thank you no i'm Um, talking
0: about you (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, you heard the new material. You did, right? Yes, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and 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 you know, um, Lugo and I have chatted about it. And, yeah. Uh... I'm actually really excited to have him on the show, too, because I will get a chance to talk about you. To and talk, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my
1: gosh. Oof, that yeah. guy's going to talk forever. So we prepared.
0: Oh, I know. We've, <laughs> you know we've talked. Yeah, and, you know, and, yeah.
1: It's oh, like three you know hours. That's yeah.
2: minimum.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you're, I mean, you're an absolutely perfect guest for a podcast. And 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 I hope I have a consistent run of guests like you because you're, you're, a, you're charismatic and you're charming and you're funny and you have great stories to tell. And, oh, and podcast. You. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> And a podcast is a long form. It's a platform for a long Mm. form conversation. You know, we don't have to we don't have to just like be staring at the watch all the time and we can get to know each other and and listeners can get to know you. So it's great. So are you at this moment in time? Are you still working with Lugo? Are you guys working on? Okay. Oh, yeah. That's what I thought. I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: we we I'm you're working on of, like
0: three new singles or something yes is that right? yes yeah.
1: actually we're doing now in June. we're gonna start on new singles again like we're just gonna do that rotation so we like now is gonna be completely angelica artifacts mm-hmm. whatever you want mm-hmm. and we developed these three songs that are, i have to say myself they're dope they're yeah. dope This dope yeah. as
2: fuck <laughs> <laughs> <It's>
0: <laughs> yeah like, that's, like, that's right
1: and that, I don't know exactly when it's going to be released, but we're working right now on the videos for all those three. I have two down, one more go, and they are connected together. It's a trilogy.
0: That's great. So, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I mean, I, I sincerely, this is, this is the thing. Like, you know, I, the, the idea of starting a podcast went from seed in my brain to recording interviews, booking guests and recording interviews and editing them and, and mm-hmm. launching. And the first episode will air uh, on, on June 2nd.
2: Oh, oh! Which wow. is like liter-
0: literally a week away, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's you know. Well, people who are listening to this will know this. It's already yeah. They will already it's know about. that it that it's, yeah. a- it's available anywhere you can listen to podcasts. But um, you know, so there are things that I absolutely want to do, uh, like you know, include musical segments on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. but that's you know, I'm still there's a little bit of a learning curve to doing this, so I'm still doing this. So for the moment. I, I strongly encourage people to do this, to go to angelicaartifacts.com. Oh, 100 uh, percent. Stop what you're doing. Go to I am artifacts on Instagram. Get to know her um, and see her and hear her and listen to everything that she's doing. You know, it's really exciting. I'm, I'm super excited for you. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. And also, I, I have a quick, pers- slightly personal question. But do you mm-hmm. journal? Are you a person who journals at all?
1: Yes, I do. Okay. But just like in waves, I, I do write, I write what I want to accomplish within years, like in three years, this is what I'm going to do. And then I just leave it like that.
0: Okay. Cause mm-hmm. I, I just, I just wanted to say that, uh, I hope, I hope you're paying attention. I'm sure you are, but as you live this life, which has been for all of your struggles has been so far a pretty mm-hmm. extravagant life, you know, a pretty, <laughs> a, a pretty, uh, a, an interesting life, you know, and, <laughs> okay. uh, that's well, as far as I'm concerned, like that—that that sort of is the meaning of life—is our experiences, yeah. the sum total yes. of our experiences. Um, yeah. Because I, at some point, maybe you'll able write a memoir later. Is in that life.
1: something you do? Journal as well? No,
0: not even oh. a little bit. Um, Why? And I, I re- Why? I regret it. I, I so regret it. I mean, I—the things that I've li- experienced mm. in my 48 years and being on tour and and all—90% uh, of it, people wouldn't even believe if I told them. Wow. you know the what the wild things that happen on the road and i guarantee over the course of this podcast i'll be i'll be recalling some of them either to the tremendous delight or the great <laughs> annoyance of of my of the listeners of the show but you know i i regret and there, you know i know i've forgotten way more than i remember anyway thank you so much
2: thank Angelica, you.
0: for your time and and being on the show. No, and, I uh, yeah, me too. I, I really did. I love it. And um, it's really been great to talk with you and uh, people listening to this podcast, go to angelicaartifacts.com and uh, check out her Instagram page and Facebook page too, right? Yeah. Uh, but it, but Spotify's if you do want, there too. Spotify, yes. You can mm-hmm. link to these things. You can hear mm-hmm. her music. And, and uh, she was saying um, her website, angelicaartifacts.com is sort of one-stop shopping. You can go there and, and get most of it, if not everything that you need to know. and you can hear her music so thank you again it's been wonderful talking with you thank you uh,
1: i appreciate it thank you for inviting me
0: yeah absolutely all right
1: take care all
0: right
2: take care bye bye
0: this episode was produced and edited by yours truly a little bit famous theme music by the amazing jay durius special thanks to angelica artifacts Hope you enjoyed this episode
2: and I'll see you next week.